Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Career at UGA podcast. In this week's episode, we will be playing a recording of our most recent weekly meeting talk. Now, if you'd like to come to our weekly meeting that happens each Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we'd love to have you. But right now, spots are still limited. So if you want to come, be sure to sign up using the Eventbrite registration link that you can find every Thursday on our Career at UGA website. Now, on to the recording. We have been doing... We have been doing a series, a series that I've really enjoyed so far. It's called In Light Of. And simply put, what that title means is we are taking five weeks and we are examining a different attribute of God, a different characteristic of God every week. And then we're saying, in light of that characteristic being true of God, what is true of us? In light of the fact that God is like this, then what's the blessing we receive from that? In light of is what we're doing. Now, tonight, we're going to be talking about a characteristic of God that a lot of people don't talk about very often, and it might be one that, to some of you, is a little bit surprising, and so we're going to have to work through it a little bit, but it's going to be fun, and in the end, I think what we're going to learn is life-changing. So pray with me. Lord God, we want to turn our gaze on you And we pray you would let us see you really well tonight. I pray you would blow away the clouds that that get in the way of the mountain view. I pray, Lord, that you would clear the air so that that we could see you clearly and well. I think part of those clouds is me and my limited finite words and communication. Lord, I pray that you would just go through that, that you would shine brightly, that you would make it really clear from your word what we're talking about. And also help me to make it clear. Father, we want to see you and we want to know how grand you are, how amazing you are, how worthy of worship you are, and how good you are. And I just pray that that's what everyone in this room tonight would leave with when we're done with this time in the word. A genuine joy and excitement and enjoyment of you that maybe they had when they came in or or maybe they didn't have at all. But whatever it is, Lord, let that increase for your glory and for our enjoyment and satisfaction. Holy Spirit, please do this, we pray. Amen. Here's a couple of passages. See if you can catch the theme. Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24 says, Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Passage number two. This is Exodus 20, verses one through six. And God spoke all these words. This is the Ten Commandments at the beginning of it. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or on earth, beneath, or in the waters below. 
You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And it goes on. What do both those verses have in common? Jealous. Now that's an interesting word, isn't it? That's our attribute tonight. God is jealous. Now you may have never heard this, God, this word about God before. Maybe some of you have. But scripture actually uses this description of God a lot. And in the passage that we just read in Exodus, interestingly, God does not simply describe himself. He actually names himself. The passage literally reads, I am, and then the Hebrew says, El Kanah, or El, yeah, El Kanah, which means jealous God. But, but El is short for Elohim. Elohim is one of the names of God. And so when you see El something, that's, that's a, a, a com combination name. So what he is saying is, I am Elohim Kanah. I am El Kanah. I am God jealous, is literally what that means. It's, it's, he's naming himself. It's like he's saying, he's not describing himself. He's, it's like I would introduce myself and I would say, hi, I'm Al. I'm not, I'm not telling you what I'm like. I'm identifying myself. I'm naming myself, right? I'm saying, I am this. I am Al. That's what's happening here. God is saying, not just I'm a jealous God. I'm that kind of God. He says, I am this. This is my identity. Now, there are many names that God uses throughout the scriptures. There's 220 of them in the Old Testament alone, and this is one of them, that God is a jealous God. Now, what does it mean that God is jealous? What do you think of when you hear the word jealous? Jealous wife? Jealous boyfriend? Right? You think of some romantic relationship in which someone feels slighted because the attention they think they deserve is being given to a rival? That's kind of how we think about the word jealous, right? And actually, it's not too far off, but there are some differences I looked at the word jealous in a dictionary. Here's some of the definitions. Here's the first one. There's three of them. See which one you think is closest to the mark of a jealous God. Here's the first one. Feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements and advantages. Two, feeling or showing suspicion of someone's unfaithfulness in a relationship, which is what we just mentioned. Or three, fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. Okay, let's think about that. Feeling or showing envy of someone for their achievements or advantages. Is that God? Mm, don't think God's really envious of anybody. Don't think God is kind of thinking somebody else's achievements or advantages are better than his. So it's not that one, right? <laughs> what about number three? Fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. Well, I don't think God is in is being threatened by his possessions being stolen by anybody. I don't think anyone's going to deny God his rights. It's probably not that one. Must be number two. Feeling or showing suspicion of someone's unfaithfulness in a relationship. And that actually is very close to the definition of what God means when he says, I am jealous. Here's how I would define it if I was writing a dictionary definition for jealous in terms of God. I would say it this way. For God, this means God is rightfully concerned with receiving the glory and worship that he is due, and he will not tolerate the injustice of seeing it given to something lesser. I went ahead and put it on a slide just so we get all the words clear. Is that here we have a God who is concerned with getting his proper glory, 
It's proper worship. He should have it. It's his due. He is not going to tolerate the injustice of seeing it given to someone else. Now, that sounds a lot like definition number two. Now, we think of this in human terms of, I should have this person's attention and it's not being given to me. Therefore, I'm jealous, right? With God, it's the same concept, but it's a little bit more grand. <clears throat> now, how do we understand this? I hope you noticed in both of those passages, they're talking about the same thing. They're talking about idols, that God is not being worshipped, but idols are. That's what God's jealousy is all about. If you think the word jealousy is not a good word here because of the romantic context, we usually use it in. If that feels too human to you, I will go ahead and tell you this. Scores of times in the Old Testament, God uses the illustration of a spouse being cheated on or a lover being cheated on to describe Israel's idolatry against him. He uses a very human picture to describe this idea. He talks about what we would consider jealousy. And he calls Israel's idolatry whoring or adultery. In other words, he's being cheated on by people he's in a relationship with. That's jealousy. Both of those passages point that out. But God's jealousy is not like the petty, selfish kind of jealousy we know. It's a zeal for his name, which is appropriate, right? Now, this is where we get to a little bit of struggle. How many of you, when you hear me say things like, God is concerned for his glory, or God is concerned for his worship, how many of you kind of chafe under that a little bit? Kind of rubs you the wrong way, right? Because what's the question that pops into your head when you hear that? Is God kind of arrogant? Is he conceited? I mean, let's be honest, that question kind of pops up, right? Here you have God saying, worship me! Well, does that make him conceited that God wants all this attention and glory? See, we need to know that. We need to answer this question. It's a great question. Now think about a person. When a person stands up and says, I deserve all your attention, and acts like he or she is supreme, we call that person conceited. Why? Because they're not supreme. In other words, they're asking for something they don't actually deserve. And that conceit is thinking they do deserve it when actually they're not that great. They think they're greater than they are. But think about God. God says, I deserve worship and pray. And, and you know what? He actually does deserve it because he is God. He's the most valuable supreme thing in the universe. He is not demanding anything that's inappropriate for him. You see, what is appropriate for God is not always appropriate for people. And this is one of those areas where for God, being concerned about glory is right and righteous, right? Let me, let me have you think of it this way. Let's suppose there's a village, and in this village there is a disease that is harming the people and kind of laying waste to all the people. And the only medical care in this village is a bunch of quacks who just keep prescribing magic tricks that don't do any good, and the village is really suffering. But then one day, a real doctor comes into the village and puts up a shingle that says, the best doctor, the only real doctor, the only doctor who has a cure because he has the medicine that will cure the disease. Would you call that doctor conceited? Interesting question, right? Because he really is the best. 
The doctor calls himself the best, but actually he's calling himself the best in love to get the people's attention to do what's right and best for them. Is he conceited? Here's another thing to think about God. If God did not have a concern for his glory, he would actually be an idolater. Think about that. We say idolatry is when we consider something that is not supremely valuable as supremely valuable. And so if God were to say that it was okay that something else be worshipped besides him, he would actually be practicing idolatry. He would be saying, it is okay to give credit to something that is less valuable than me. Now, you don't want God to be like that. We want a God who considers supremely valuable what is valuable. Let me ask you this. When you hear a story about child abuse and a parent abusing a child, that makes you angry, doesn't it? Why? Because a parent is not treating something very precious as if it is as precious as it is. It's not ascribing value to what is valuable. Do you want God to be like that? See what I mean? God is not conceited. In actuality, he's righteous. Any other way, any other concern of his would be wrong. God should desire his own glory, and he should be concerned with it, and he should demand it. It's righteous for him to do that. So that's a tough question to reason through, but you can see why this is so important, right? God, therefore, is a jealous God. He deserves our worship. He deserves our faithfulness. He deserves a relationship with us. He deserves honor. And he is jealous when he does not get it because that's immoral and that's unrighteous. And he demands that we will have no other God besides him because he is a jealous God. And you want him to be this way. You don't want to worship any other God that's not like that. So what seems on the surface to be a rather puzzling characteristic actually is a phenomenal one. But here's something even better. We call this series in light of because we say in light of the fact that God has this kind of characteristic, what does that mean about us? In light of God's jealousy, what am I? What's the blessing for me? And here's what I offer as the blessing from God being jealous for us. The blessing for us is satisfaction and enjoyment. Now, that's a strange place to go with that. So we have to connect the dots there too. But that's what I'm going to say. God's jealousy for us is good news because it means satisfaction and enjoyment. God's concern for his glory gives us the greatest possible enjoyment. It seems counterintuitive, but in truth, God's righteous desire for his glory is actually the best possible thing that could be true for us. Let me show you how this works a little bit. Here's another passage. Very short. This is Psalm 147.1. I think I have that on the slide. There it is. It says, Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. Simple sentence. A couple things I want you to see. The writer declares an imperative, a command. He says, Praise the Lord. Do it. Praise Him. That's the command, right? But then he says... This is good, in other words, it's morally right and acceptable to do this. And he states two reasons why we should. Number one, it's pleasant. Number two, it's fitting or appropriate. It's right. Now, the second of those two things we already just talked about, 
as we've already said, God deserves it. It is fitting. It's right to praise him. He's the most amazing being in the universe. It is right that he should be praised. So that's the first. But let's talk about the second. How pleasant it is to praise him. What does that mean? Pleasant. Pleasant. Pleasing. When you're pleased, what is that? It means you're happy. It means you like something, right? If something is pleasant, you enjoy it. That's what that means. It's pleased. What God is, what this passage is saying is praise makes us happy. And that's why we should do it. This should be something we want to do because it gives us joy. It makes us more happy to do it. God is a God who deserves his glory. He declares that he made us for his glory, but a lot of people, they don't, a lot of people think they don't want God to be this way, right? The reason is, here's the thing, we tend to think of life as a limited pie, right? And we tend to think, if I give a lot to somebody else, there's less for me. And sometimes we think attention is like that, right? If I give all kinds of honor and attention to something else, and everybody's praising that, no one's going to be praising me. And so, we get a little salty, we get a little stingy. It's like, oh, I don't, I'm sorry, 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 I was asking for attention and glory, and no one's ever paying attention to me. And deep inside our selfish little hearts, we don't want that to be true. We would like to get the lion's share of the glory for us. Look, we're all wired this way, right? We're all selfish. We, we learn this as children, right? I maintain, in this case, this is not true. I disagree that God is stealing love and happiness from us when he offers himself as most glorious. See, it's not arrogant and selfish of God because he's not stealing love for others. It's actually the opposite. That's because of the first thing the psalmist said. How pleasant it is to praise him. You see, here's, here's the thing. We think praising God goes against our happiness because it takes from us. But actually, counterintuitively, they go hand in hand in the same direction. Now, one of my favorite authors who I talk about a lot, John Piper, he has a very famous statement that everybody always quotes. And he says it this way. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I see a couple of you repeating that sentence with me. That makes me very proud. I'm glad that we have Piperized you well. That makes me, makes me very happy being a John Piper fan. But this, this statement especially, God is most satis glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In other words, what that's saying is that something or someone receives the most honor when it is delighted in. You know this is true. Ladies, you know this is true, right? I know you know this is true. It's formal season right now. Everybody's going on formals, different things, like spring is in the air, love is in the air, dating is in the air, right? So ladies, let's say you're going to a formal or that special crew guy has asked you out and uh, he shows up at your door one night and uh, you open the door and he's got this big bouquet of flowers. And what do you say? Well, you say what every woman says when a guy shows up at the door with flowers, which is, aw, why did you bring me flowers? Men, trust me. When you do this, this is what a woman says to you, okay? <laughs> Be ready for this question. Now, ladies, let's say that a man shows up, and he's got the flowers, and he's going to give them to you, and you say, say it with me, ladies, aw, 
why did you bring me flowers? See, I told you, this, it just comes right out of them. Why did you bring me flowers? And here we are, boyfriend, looks you in the eye and says, well, I'm your boyfriend. It's what boyfriends do. It's just kind of my duty. I mean, I'm a boyfriend. I have to do that. Ladies, how honored are you by that answer? You like that? You feel honored by these flowers? Hmm, no. Why not? Because there's no delight there, right? Okay, let's replay it again. So, knock, knock, knock on the door, open the door. Ladies, you say, aw, why did you bring me flowers, right? And boyfriend looks at you and says, I know, it was kind of dumb. Maybe it's a waste of money, but honestly, I have been thinking about you all day long. I couldn't get you off my mind. I was driving over here. I saw a flower store. I just said, she needs flowers. I pulled in. I just bought them. I bought way too many, but I couldn't help it because I just think you're amazing. And here, would you take these? I can't wait to go out with you tonight. Ladies, how are we doing now? Okay. What's the difference? It's delight because that, that young man is now satisfied in you, right? He's delighting in you. Which of those two answers gave you the greater honor, the most glory? Well, it's the one of enjoyment, right? It's the one of delight. God is most satisfied in us when we are most, God is most, sorry, God is most, I don't even know my own Piper quotes. Gosh, I'm so ashamed. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The more we enjoy him, the more glory and worship he receives right? Now, this is why it goes hand in hand, because the greatest gift God can give us is himself that leads to greater enjoyment for us. Now, you still may be struggling with this a little bit, with the whole vain thing, with the whole conceited thing, right? C.S. Lewis, who I think most of you know, very famous uh, English professor, English literature professor at Oxford, wrote many books, Chronicles of Narnia, and so many others, he said when he first came across this, he struggled with Christian faith because he said God sounded like a vain woman who wants compliments. And he could not get past this. Maybe that's how you feel when you hear it, but I would like to offer you a different perspective, namely that this is the best news in the world. And C.S. Lewis learned this because C.S. Lewis later changed his mind. And here's what he said convinced him. You can read it on the screen behind me. Here's his quote. The most obvious fact about praise whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, giving honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Great sentence. He goes on, I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable, what we delight to do and indeed can't help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, get this, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. What a great observation. Do you see it? You see what he says, right? He is saying, why is the praise of God good for us? Why is it pleasant, like the psalmist said? 
Why is God offering himself to us as the most glorious thing in the universe good for us? It's because we praise what we enjoy. And Lewis says the praise actually completes it and makes the joy even greater. And that's why it doesn't work against our joy, it works for us. It's not a limited pie, you see what? Giving God glory and praise makes us happier because we get enjoyment. He gets more glory when we praise him, but what we get out of it is that enjoyment, that satisfaction, that pleasure that we have because we're happy in him. And the more we praise, the happier we are. Don't you want to be happy? Isn't that what everybody's chasing is being happy? Well, there it is, right? All of us are made this way. We are made in such a way that the praise completes the enjoyment. Ever seen a couple with a new baby? What do they do? They're constantly showing you pictures, right? Right, they take the picture of the baby and they make it the background screen on their phone. So every time they pull their phone out, they see the little baby and they're like, oh, do you see my baby? It's like they can't stop talking about the little baby, <laughs> right? Why? Because they're enjoying it so much they can't help it. And they just have to share it because when they share it, it makes it even better. You're like this, even though you don't have babies. I can prove it to you. How many of you right now are wearing something that says Georgia or UGA or have a UGA keychain or backpack or something like that? Raise your hand. Let me see. How many of you have a Georgia something? There we go. <laughs> About half the room. All right. On a Saturday game day, how many of you will wear something that says Georgia or has a Georgia G on it? Everybody. Hmm. Why do we do that? Because we love Georgia. We love the dogs, right? Because that completes the enjoyment. I don't need to put a bumper sticker on my car to tell people, hi, I'm Al. In case you didn't know, I root for Georgia. I just wanted, you know, it's like, you can, you can put me in that cut. That's not what we're doing. We're saying, go dogs, right? Because the praise completes the enjoyment. That's what we're doing. All right. I can push this even more. Okay. When you go on a trip and you're hanging out with your friends and you're having a great time, what do you do? What do you do? You know what you do. You get up and you're like, hi, okay, smile, selfie. And you put it on Instagram. Why? Because you want the whole world to know how great this trip is. It's awesome. We're having an amazing time. Why do you do that? It doesn't matter whether people know or not that you're on a trip and having a good time. Or does it? See, it does, because the praise completes the enjoyment. The more you share it, the more fun it is. So you post about it, right? Let me keep going. All right, let me see, how am I going to do this? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a disclaimer. I don't really like talking about football in church or in crew meetings or things like this. And so I, I really discourage us doing that, and that's because I, I do feel like here in the South, we have kind of an idolatry with football. Some of you may feel that, and you know, we, the biggest worship service in Athens is every Saturday when 92,000 people gather in Sanford Stadium, right? We all know that. And so I, I feel like we don't necessarily want to feed into that. We want to pay attention to it, even though it's super fun, and I'm a big football fan and all that, right? But in this one instance, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to use a football illustration. Do not confuse it with idolatry of football, okay? All right, so here's my illustration. 
few years ago, um, Georgia was really good, as they are every year, but this team was especially good, and the LSU game came up. We were playing LSU here in Sanford. Wes could tell me the exact day, the final score, and the temperature if I asked him. I don't remember all those details, but it was a fantastic game. I think Zach Mettenberger was the quarterback for LSU, and he was really on, and the dogs were on, and the score just went back and forth and back and forth with each team taking the lead. Finally, Georgia scored a late touchdown and shut LSU down, and everybody was like, <sighs> and it was this glorious, perfect fall day with a perfect temperature and a gorgeous blue sky, and it was just, it was everything you have ever dreamed, like, you know, it's Saturday in Athens, whatever it be. And I remember I was talking to a student after that game. And I, I didn't go to the game. I watched it on television. But I was talking to the student who went to the game. I said, hey, what was it like being at the LSU game in the student section? And he gave me a very interesting answer. He said, oh, Al, it was glorious. Interesting. It was glorious. It was deserving of glory. It was Glory that I shared in and experienced and can't talk enough about to express it. That's what he was saying. It's glorious because you find your highest pleasure in it. You are caught up in glory. This amazing feeling you never want it to end. More proof? If you're at a game like that and Georgia scores a touchdown, what do you do? You sing. What do you sing? Glory, glory to. Ah, okay, you can stop now. Do you hear it? Glory. You sing about glory. In other words, you're so what are you saying when you sing that? You're saying, George is the best. George is awesome. George deserves more glory, more honor. Everybody should pay attention to Georgia. George is the best. Go dogs, right? That's what you're singing every time. Now, we just talked about is praise. A limited pie. If we praise something and, and enjoy its glory, does that mean there's less for us? Is that selfish? Well, let me ask you this. When the dogs score a touchdown and you're singing like that, how many of you are standing there in the stands like this going, I can't believe people aren't praising me right now. I can't believe we're sitting here singing a song about a stupid football team and no one is paying me any attention. No one does that, right? You're like, glory, glory. You're just like, ah, I love this. This is so great. You love that. There's no, there's no limited pie. You're having such a great time. You're having so much enjoyment. You're not thinking about that. You're caught up in giving glory to something else and it increases your enjoyment of it, Right? See, you, want, you, don't want, you don't want to sing less. You want to sing more. You want them to score 70, right? That's your enjoyment. To be caught up in the glory of something that deserves it is enjoyment and satisfaction. And we're just talking about a, a trivial thing like a football team or maybe a school. Think about what that means to be caught up in giving glory to the almighty, supreme, all-valuable, perfect, holy, righteous, loving, infallible, pure, flawless, beautiful God of the universe. What is that 
like. This is why God being jealous is a blessing for us because it increases our satisfaction. We get to be caught up in something that is the greatest enjoyment we could possibly enjoy because the greatest gift God could possibly give us is the most valuable thing in the universe, which is himself. And he lets us enjoy him that way. The fact that God is jealous for his glory and demands that we pay attention to him, demands our faithfulness and demands our worship is actually at the same time for our very best good. Is that not an amazing thought? To worship God is to bless yourself at the same time. And God wants it to be that way. God being jealous comes with the blessing of our satisfaction. So that's what C.S. Lewis was saying. The praise completes the enjoyment. So what's the application? I'll have to end with this. Joshua 24, which is another one of those jealous passages. Joshua tells the Israelite, Israelites, he says this, God is a holy God, he is a jealous God. How does he tell them to respond? Joshua then says, in light of this, here's the quote, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. Right? God is jealous. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for me. He's jealous for our worship. He will not tolerate rivals. He should not. He's not going to tolerate your rivals, whether it's grades or sports, or dating or your parents' Hinduism or whatever it may be that you would say is more valuable for him. But in that demand, remember the blessing. God's jealousy for his glory means we have our greatest satisfaction. It's the best possible news we could ever hear. Let's pray. God, you, you are, you're all that. You are, you are worthy of glory. You are worthy of praise and worship. Lord, the reason we are in this room tonight is because we have recognized that in our lives and, and we know that our God is amazing. And we, we come here because we want to see glimpses of you and one day we're going to get to see you face to face. Oh, but Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. I allow far too many rivals I allow far too many things to take the most valuable spot in my sight. And it's only occasionally I come back to really give you the worship and praise you deserve. And I just, Father, I don't want to be like that. I pray for your forgiveness. Father, I pray that you would constrain my heart and that you really would give me and give us the taste of your glory that is so captivating. We just won't be satisfied with anything less. Lord, I pray that we would be so enamored with you that you would be the thing we would chase, that, that there would be no rival because, because it's so silly to think that there would be a rival to someone as amazing as you. Lord, <coughs> we yield our hearts to you tonight. Lord, the reason we are here is we want to yield ourselves to you. We want to be yours. We want you to be first and foremost in every way in our lives. And so we offer our hearts to you with all their fickleness and say, Lord, please take it and be honored. And as much as you will and can from our finite praise, be pleased with it. As we sing these songs, that's what we're saying. Lord, even with this, the words of these songs, Lord, be praised. 
um, for you're jealous for your glory. We love you so much. Amen.